Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to spending time with you. And if you listen to the show on podcast, uh, welcome as well, whatever time of the day it is or night. It's always glad to uh, know that you are listening and you are coming to Faith Radio to hear and grow in your faith. So thank you so much for doing that. Rob Louie is my uh, opening guest. I always look forward to talking to Rob. Uh, he is at the executive editor at the Daily Signal, and he's a regular guest. Rob, welcome. It's good to be back, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so the winner of the $1.28 billion lottery gets $433 million after tax. It looks like Uncle Sam is the one who really won the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, those, the, no matter, it seems, what what, uh, what we're confronting with, taxes are, are always uh, front and center <laughs> and in the news, and the government continues to take more and more. And, and Bill, it's it's in, you know really important to to start there this week because that is really the central theme of what's going on in Washington it is. as we speak uh, around uh, this this big bill that uh, we we don't know whether it'll come to a vote this week or not, but uh, it really centers on the taxes that uh, Senator Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin want to impose on small businesses and uh, and the American people to pay for their climate agenda. Yeah, what what is the word on the street about this bill? I mean, it seemed like. It seemed like Joe Manchin was not willing to to do a lot of business with his fellow Democrats. And now all of a sudden, here's this bill, which is going to sound like it's going to raise taxes. Well, so this has been a long time in coming, as as you know, and your listeners know, because we've talked about Build Back Better now Mm -hmm. for the better part of the Biden presidency. Remember, this was one of his big initiatives. It stalled because Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema, two of the Democrats who um, you know, don't necessarily go along with everything that the party likes. They are they are the, the two holdouts uh, when it comes to making radical changes to the Senate filibuster, for instance, or um, voting on other uh, measures that uh, that the party has embraced. So no, people thought it was probably not going to materialize, but Schumer and Manchin had kept the negotiations going on in private, not telling oh. anybody. And uh, and so they uh, as soon as they voted on this chips bill last week, which was uh, for semiconductors and and Mitch McConnell had threatened to um, uh, to to hold, you know, withhold the votes from that bill uh, unless he was assured that this other deal was uh, was dead. And what happened was uh, Schumer pulled a fast one on him and was able to to resurrect this, albeit in a smaller form than it was initially proposed. But it's still quite expansive. Uh, it does everything from uh, raising taxes, as we've already talked about, because obviously you have to pay for these new programs in some way. Uh, that's an important uh, piece of what Manchin's uh, uh, brought to this table. Uh, but it does a lot of other things. For instance, uh, there are a whole number of Green New Deal proposals in, in the package, uh, giving the federal government more power to grant uh, tax breaks and, and give subsidies to uh, electric vehicle manufacturers and and whatnot. Uh, it uh, would expand Obamacare. Uh, the temporary change that uh, was made during COVID 
uh, to expand Obamacare subsidies. This would expand it for another three years, uh, which, you know, <laughs> as we all know, once you start expanding government, it's very difficult to contract it. So I, I, I see very little chance of that ever uh uh, actually going back to the way it was uh, when Obamacare was initially passed. And it would uh, allow the government, uh, what in the Democrats' uh, language, to negotiate prescription drug prices. And, and your listeners probably say, well, what's, what's wrong with that? We pay, pay too much for prescription drugs. But the problem is, it's really not a negotiation. The government would essentially be setting the price of prescription drugs. And as a result of, of that, uh, I think it's going to impact uh, those who are dependent on them, particularly American seniors who want access to the best quality drugs and might be uh, stuck with only one choice. And uh, at any time when you don't have choice in healthcare, I think it's a detriment. And, uh, and that's uh, not the, the system that we've come to appreciate and value in our country. So I appreciate that, Rob. The bill has got a ways to go. What's going to happen when it gets to the Senate? Well, so where it basically stands right now is that you have one senator uh, Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, mm-hmm. who does not like the tax increases in the bill. Now, Kirsten Cinema is a Democrat. Obviously, Arizona is a state that uh, has traditionally elected Republicans to the Senate, although it is currently represented by two Democrats. Uh, Arizona is actually having a primary today to determine who who the Republican will be to take on Mark Kelly in November. Uh, so Cinema does not face the the prospect of, uh, of facing an election right in the the near term. But uh, she's very uh, savvy about uh, Arizona politics, and she knows that increasing taxes during a recession is not necessarily the best way to go about uh, uh, passing policy and, and solving some of the challenges that our, our citizens face. So she is the, the big linchpin. Uh, the idea would be to get this passed sometime this week. The Senate is scheduled to go on recess uh, at the end of the week. So uh, as we all know, <laughs> there's nothing that motivates uh, our, our elected representatives more than a deadline to go home for the summer. And so that's why they're trying to get it done this week, along with uh, approving the ascension of uh, Finland and Sweden to NATO, the PAC Act, which would uh, address uh, uh, burn pits uh, for our military veterans, and uh, and some nominations that are, are waiting in the queue. So not not a whole lot left, although fairly substantive. And, and, and certainly, it's uh, from from a Democrat political perspective, if you're Joe Biden, you're cheering that this gets done because you will have just accomplished uh, a gun legislation, which hasn't been done in, in decades. Uh, this uh, CHIPS bill, which would um, uh, provide a lot of subsidies, uh, again, to, to private businesses, which we don't like as conservatives, but had the support of, uh, of, of a fair number of Republicans. And then this uh, Build Back Better. So, I mean, he after suffering through a period here where his poll numbers were among the worst ever recorded for any president, uh, is is starting to crow about some of the, the legislative victories. Yeah. Although all of us live on the uh, on the streets with the price of gas and the price of groceries and the price of life. So we, we will always have an opinion based on how pleased we are or displeased we are with what's going on in government based on how it's affecting our private lives. Well, that's true. And I think if you look at the polls, uh, most people do uh, tend to rate the economy or inflation, uh, which includes everything from the price of gas to the price of groceries, uh, as as their number one concern and priority. And I think that that's what makes this particular Build Back Better bill uh, so problematic, is we've consistently been told by economists that more government spending is going to only worsen the inflation problem. So at a time when we are trying uh, to rein in government spending and reduce the 9.1% inflation rate. Uh, here you have 
uh, a $250 billion chips bill, which was just passed. Wow. And now you have this other massive uh, uh, Build Back Better proposal. So I, 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 it's, it's a misnomer to call it the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the official name of the bill, because it seems like it would do just the, just the opposite. And, uh, and I, I don't know what ultimately is going to happen. I do suspect that if it makes its way through the Senate, you, know, you will have the House comply and the Senate on to, to Biden for, for his approval. I don't expect any Republicans to support it. So that's why it really comes down to this one vote with Kirsten Sinema. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a question or something you'd like Rob to answer, let me know what it is. Text the question to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Rob, I would love for, to tap into your skill set here and and get your understanding of what's happening with uh, Nancy Pelosi being in Taiwan and the China all upset and wanting to retaliate. I don't know if I understand this. Would you explain? Well, sure. Well, I think I think the easiest way to understand it is that China is not our friend. It's an adversary. They've said so themselves. They are an enemy of democracy. Uh, they are the Chinese Communist Party, uh, after all. And I, I'd like to make a distinction between uh, the Chinese Communist Party, which is the ruling party there, and the, the political operation, and, and, and the Chinese people, who I think uh, aspire to live in a free society where they do, are, are not ruled with an iron fist. And if, you, if you've watched what's happened during COVID and how the Chinese have responded, I think you'll understand uh, what I mean by that. But uh, in terms of what Pelosi is doing, she is the highest profile, uh, highest ranking government official to visit Taiwan since 1997 when former Speaker Newt Gingrich did so. And that has uh, set off alarm bells with China, probably more so now today in 2022 than it did in 1997, just because the circumstances have changed. China is obviously today much more uh, assertive in its position on, on the world stage. Uh, they have uh, uh, military ambitions. They have a, you know, a, a stronger economy, although growth recently has, uh, has been uh, not great. And, uh, and they're trying to, to demonstrate the, a show of force. Now, whether or not they will actually do anything about it, or if this is just a war of words and rhetoric on the, the part of the Chinese Communist Party, I think is uh, something that we'll have to wait and see. But it's certainly um, uh, disconcerting that they would uh, use this heightened rhetoric. And I think that this is a time when I've really been encouraged to see a bipartisan response. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, Senator Mitch McConnell and 25 Republicans in the Senate uh, support uh, Pelosi. I mean, the, the Republicans are giving Pelosi more support than even the president of her own party, Joe Biden, is, who who indicated uh, just last week that uh, the military might not think this is the, the best idea. And so I, I think that Pelosi does deserve our support. I'm glad she went through and, and uh, followed through on her promise to visit Taiwan. And uh, she has an op-ed out today uh, stating her case for why she did so. So um We'll keep a close eye on it, but it's important to remember that this is another flashpoint in our in our current ongoing struggle with China. Yeah, Rob, what would be the worst outcome that could result from this? Well, I, I certainly uh, the worst outcome, the one that we fear, is that, that China will attempt to do what Russia did to Ukraine and uh, will we'll move militarily on, on Taiwan. Uh, that could come in, in many different forms. It could come through the air. It could come through water. Uh, Taiwan obviously occupies an important uh, part of the world where uh, if China were to 
claim control of Taiwan. And remember, China and Taiwan split decades ago, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and Taiwan has has maintained its status as the the, the true uh, the, the true nation of China, the Republic of China. And so it um, you know it is an important not only strategically from a military standpoint, but economically it is also a place. We were just talking about the semiconductors. Well, a lot of those chips that end up in your vehicles are manufactured in Taiwan. So uh, so certainly China mm-hmm. taking control of of uh, that economy would be disastrous from from that standpoint. Uh, I think there's other things China could do. I mean, I I, I don't think China would be as brazen to attack a, a U.S. territory, but I mean certainly that could be possible. Uh, they could perhaps try to do something from from an economic standpoint. It would take the military uh, off the table. But yeah, Bill, you're right. I mean, the the rhetoric that they've had over the course of the last couple of days. Uh, if, you know, if you play with fire, you will be burned. I mean, right. certainly they're saying some pretty aggressive things. Yeah. Who does China like less, Taiwan or the U.S.? Nah, well, <laughs> I mean, certainly, I think in in uh, Xi Jinping's uh, quest uh, for power, I mean, they would like to to occupy Taiwan just as they've asserted control over Hong Kong. So they probably um, locally uh, dislike um, Taiwan, but I'd say that they see the United States as probably their biggest uh, competitor, uh, certainly adversary on the world stage, and uh, and we've made some strategic mistakes as a as a country. Uh, to become so dependent on China. And I think yes. we need to be advocating for a, a China-resistant, uh, a, a resilient economy uh, here in the United States where we're not dependent on so many of our pharmaceuticals or medical supplies, because if they decide to to respond uh, in a very aggressive way, and this is what I mean by economically, it could have uh, big implications on, on our own economy. So it's uh, it's important for us to uh, to be doing that uh, to to create that resiliency and uh, and I think it starts now. Uh, I mean, it should have started yesterday, Bill, but uh, we've got to take it seriously. Yeah, I have one more question about this, Rob, but I'll ask it after the break. Rob Louie is my guest. He's the executive editor at the Daily Signal. I always recommend going to dailysignal.com. If you have a question for Rob, text it over eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. I'm always glad to be talking to Rob Bluey. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. And Rob, before we move off this topic of Nancy Pelosi being in Taiwan, it sounds like what angers China and they threaten this retaliation is that this episode of her being there is their motivation to want to finally say we're coming after you, Taiwan. I, I think that that's probably correct. Okay. Now, now, Bill, we had we had suspected that China's ambitions to come after Taiwan were, were probably, you know, many years off. Uh, I, I do think that there is increasing concern that that timeline could be moved up. And, and I think that's also part of the reason why Pelosi making a high-profile trip to Taiwan 
uh, could in some ways raise awareness of, of the Chinese ambitions. I mean, I, I think Americans seeing the headlines in newspapers and on television will recognize that China's response to this is, is certainly uh, alarming. And, and if you haven't been paying attention to the threat posed by China, hopefully this now will be, this will now register and, and be among uh, those, those top concerns. It's one of the reasons why, why we at the Heritage Foundation and our president, Kevin Roberts, has said that, you know, this is certainly one of the most important issues that we must confront uh, of our generation. And, uh, and I, I think despite, you know, what, what we've saw happen with Russia and Ukraine, in which many people expected Russia to march on Kyiv and take the capital within a week, uh, did not happen because the Ukrainians fought back and they had overwhelming support from the global community. Uh, I, I I don't know uh, if what the response would be. I, I certainly uh, hope that uh, that the world would rally around Taiwan and resist China. But I mean, I also think back to those incidents when. Uh, Daryl Morey, the the general manager of the Houston Rockets, made comments critical of China, and you had people like LeBron James come out and defend China. So, you know, I, I think that we've seen some strange behavior on some high-profile Americans siding with China over some of our own citizens, and uh, and that's really disconcerting. I think there's a huge economic stake for a lot of people in China, uh, so that could be that could be a factor here. But uh, the Chinese do wield a lot of influence on the global stage because they in many cases, have uh, have been made investments across the world, and uh, people don't necessarily want to to mess with that or, or, or jeopardize them. Yeah, Rob, was this trip designed like, boy, we've got work to do, we've got to roll up our sleeves, or is this symbolic? A listener said, uh, named Sue said, what is the point of Pelosi's trip to Taiwan? Well, Pelosi's on a, on a broader trip throughout Asia, so she didn't just fly directly to Taiwan. She's making other stops um, across uh, Japan and, and other countries. So it's, uh, it's part of a, a, what we call a congressional delegation, and she is bringing several other House members with her. And so I think the point of it, uh, the point of stopping in Taiwan specifically, is to raise awareness about uh, the threat to democracy okay. and, and the threat to Taiwan's existence. Um, Pelosi, as has been noted by by many other commentators long before me, has had a history of needling China. It goes back to Tiananmen Square and and her raising alarm about about it, you know, way back in in you know twenty thirty years ago. So I I do think that uh, there's there's a history here of Pelosi. Um, it's also probably her last trip as Speaker, so you know it's it's her opportunity to use her high profile perch as the leader of the house uh, to do so she has talked about stepping down at the end of this uh, this congress and so uh, you know it's uh, it's a rare opportunity i think to to do that uh, we we should also note here that uh, the, during the trump administration although there wasn't a house speaker or somebody in in a position like this uh, alex azar uh, the then uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services made a trip. So, you know, there have other, been other trips. I think that the Chinese particularly view this one, given Pelosi's p- position, and she's so well known globally for, um, for, for breaking the glass ceiling in the House, that, uh, that this one obviously generates a lot more news than a cabinet secretary or some other member of Congress perhaps making a stop there. Mm-hmm. Rob, Tom wants to know, is it unusual or usual for a Speaker of the House to take a tour of different countries? Uh, it's it's not unusual. Uh, congressional delegations happen all the time. Uh, they they usually happen during these congressional recess periods. Uh, we don't necessarily hear about them all that much because 
they are, you know, kind of standard operating procedure. We, when we do hear about them or when a congressional delegation may go to a war zone like in Afghanistan or, um, you know, Iraq, I mean, that's, those, those are some that, that come to mind in the past. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly standard practice. And, and usually they're, they're, they tend to be bipartisan um, in, in, in their, their nature. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I, I think the, what makes this one unusual, obviously, is the fact that she's the, the highest ranking person since 1997 to make the trip. So obviously, uh, you know, for, for 25 years, you know, that is, that's a, that's a long period of time uh, for between speakers to make a visit to Taiwan. I appreciate that. Thank you, Rob. Would you give me an update on em- the employment and the labor market? Absolutely. Well, uh, we continue to see, just like we talked about earlier, Bill, with uh, the economic news not being great, uh, that the, the labor market continues to, to you know, have its, its ups and downs as well. Uh, there are certain people in the labor market who, who, have, who have benefited or seem to be doing well, and then there are others who, who are struggling. And so it kind of depends where you are at, at the stage in life. I mean, I think we, we would like to see more labor force participation. Uh, the numbers still uh, have not rebounded to the level that, uh, that, that we'd like to see. We also see a, a disparity between states. You know, some states seem to be doing well and other states that have, have policies in place that may discourage some employment or, or have restrictive COVID policies still in place. Um, not bouncing back uh, the same way, and so it's uh, it's going to be critical though if we're if we're going to be a robust economy to have uh, as many people in the, in the labor force as possible. And so while the number uh, the unemployment number remains low, I think that there's still a, a lot of work to do. And uh, and again, this goes back to the earlier conversation about build back better. One of the pieces of of the legislation would increase taxes on small businesses. So at a time when where businesses are trying to rehire and grapple with all the increased costs associated with inflation, uh, that's certainly not um, going to encourage them to bring on more labor. Mm-hmm. Rob, so Brittany uh, Griner, she's a Olympic athlete, uh, WNBA star, and has um, drug paraphernalia in her luggage. She admits to carrying it. I mean, she really can't say she was traveling because she goes and lives there for a while, so she must to some degree, know the rules there. All right, so now she pleads guilty. So we've got a person that has drugs, pleads guilty, and now we're doing kind of a talking about a very significant trade with a guy that we've had here in prison called the Merchant of Death. Uh, explain that all to me, if you would. Yeah, it, it, I mean, this is, um, th- this is a complicated issue, and, and you did a great job of summarizing. I do think that Anytime an American is being held uh, unjustly by a foreign country, and and particularly a country that doesn't respect the rule of law like Russia, uh, we should be we should be alarmed and concerned and raise awareness about it. Now you are correct. Uh, it, look, if if it was me, I, I and I was in her position, <laughs> I don't know why I would make a trip to Russia at a time when they were making threats about attacking Ukraine or, you know, in the process of doing so, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. I understand that his, you know, historically she had gone to the country to play basketball and maybe she figured that this would be no big deal, but I think that there were enough warning signs out there that this was probably a, a big risk. Uh, and then when you add the, the drug component to it as well, uh, it gives the, the Russians cause to, to obviously detain her and, and now keep her in jail. Um, yeah, I mean, trading a prisoner swap, not ideal. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, this is uh, particularly somebody of, of the ilk that you, you mentioned, um, you know, it, trading a, a WNBA superstar for a terrorist. Um, you know, n- no, it does not yeah. make me feel great. Yeah. Um, and Paul Whalen is also part of the part of the arrangement is my understanding. So yeah. there would be a second second American who would come home as well. I, I was out of time, Rob, and I can't believe I did this to you. I'm sorry. We'll uh, talk next week. Thanks so much. OK, Bill. All right. Thank you. you bet. Rob Blue has been my guest. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Dr. Alex McFarland is going to join me. And I'm looking forward to Hour 2 with Jeff Verdorn. That's all next. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. It is time to pull up a nice cup of coffee with my friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. Always love having Alex on. He's an author and a, a culture expert and, and uh, always looking forward to having him on. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. You're so gracious. Well, I try to uh, be. Tw- 20 years ago, I couldn't spell Arthur, and now I are one. There's <laughs> <laughs> a little southern humor I here like today. it. I like it. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were last chatting, and we've been on this series of talking about great wisdom from authors who have, uh, theologians who have passed on. And I, I think it's nice to talk about so many of the truths that they have. And you said last time, maybe I'll pick one next time. Now, I don't know if you've picked one. But just so you know, I've got one ready to go if you're not ready to go. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And uh, for those just tuning in, Bill Arnold and I, we love, I think it's fair to say we both love Christian history yes, and we church do. history. Yeah. And uh, so I got a quote for you. Okay. And I was thinking about this. This is, um, you know, uh, dead Christians you should know about. <laughs> yes. So um in James chapter 1, there's um, a verse, and it talks about looking into the perfect law of liberty. And so this particular Christian of about 130, 135 years ago, he, was, he, he said this, looking into Jesus. All right, here's the quote, Bill. He said, the righteousness of Christ is a mirror, a hammer, and a whip. It's a mirror in which we see our own unrighteousness. It's a hammer that smashes our self-righteousness, and it's a whip that drives us to the cross. Whoa, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Now, that's a mouthful. Okay, the righteousness of Christ is a mirror in which we see our own unrighteousness. It's a hammer that smashes our self-righteousness, and the righteousness of Christ, said this person, is a whip that drives us to the cross. Mm. Now, that's a lot. Uh, got any guesses on what erudite voice uttered those words, Bill? Arnold? Well, let me look up the word erudite really quickly. <laughs> and uh, my guess is um, um, I don't have one. <laughs> well, that was the man that sometimes they used to call him the Prince of Preachers, Charles H. Oh, oh Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon, yes. Yeah. Now, can I th- may I throw another Spurgeon. Oh, act. please do. Yeah. And, and by the way, folks, I love to mention, I love devotional books and a great devotional book that I would just recommend to anybody. Uh, morning and evening. It's actually, everybody calls it morning and evening devotions, but really the title of it is morning and evening. 
by Charles Spurgeon, and it's a devotional book. Really great. That is but, on my kitchen um, counter, just so you know, Alex. For real? Yep, for real. You, and, you know, because of the kind of uh, post-Victorian English, it's a little wordy sometimes, I'll grant you. And sometimes you got to really kind of read slowly and carefully, but it's deep. I love this little tidbit. Spurgeon said, in the Red Sea of his own blood, Jesus drowned the Pharaoh of our sins. Ooh. <laughs> That's deep, isn't it? That is deep. But uh, anyway, it's good. I know you and I have missed a couple of weeks. I was on the road traveling. Hey, man, two weeks ago we did our youth camp. And by the way, I, awesome. I appreciate everybody's prayers. Tomorrow morning I fly to Cedar Rapids, Iowa for our fourth and final youth camp of the summer. Okay. Um, two weeks ago, Thursday, um, we had a youth camp, 70 teenagers, about 20 college students, and about 15 adults, about 105 people total. And we had 26 teenagers pray to accept Christ. Wow. And on the final night, it was just amazing. The Holy Spirit really was there, Bill. We had about a two-hour altar call. And, I mean, it wasn't contrived or anything, but kids were coming forward and just praying for their schools. And, wow. and just, it was amazing. But um, So I've been traveling, but I, I did miss my afternoon with Bill Arnold. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, Alex, my turn. I'll okay. read a quote, and I think you will I think you will not only love this quote, but you'll have a lot to say about it. Um, outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner, but in Christ, I am saved. Outside of Christ, I am empty. In Christ, I am full. Outside of Christ, I am weak. In Christ, I am strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. In Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I have been defeated. In Christ, I am already victorious. How meaningful are the words, in Christ? Hmm. Wow. And, you know, all of that is so true. All of that. And to, to my recollection, Bill, I've never heard that quote before, but because I know he would do parallels and the in, out, I'm going to guess maybe A.W. Tozer? That was Watchman Nee. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Watchman Nee. Uh, w- was he the one that wrote that very famous book? I used to have it, but it was called The Normal Christian Life. I don't know. It wow. So- it, sounds, it sounds right. Y- you know what's so um, amazing? All right. Watchman Nee. Um, another name I want to throw out there. Let me think here. Um, um, I'm trying to think of a name of a Japanese Christian leader of the early 20th century. It'll come to me in a minute. But Rosie I love said that. you were right about the Watchman Nee book, though. W- really? Yes. Okay. Um, outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner, but in Christ, I'm saved. Outside of Christ, I'm empty. Inside of Christ, I'm full. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the whole quote you read, yeah. but it, it's all so true, isn't it? That <laughs> You know, in John fifteen five, Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." And um, there, there was a man named Vance Havner. He's long since passed away. Very influential in the life of Billy Graham. In fact, um, most people that know the stories believe it was Vance Havner that urged Billy Graham 
to be an evangelist. But Vance Havner, the last sermon he ever preached in public, he was preaching on John 15, 5. He said, take away the last three letters of the word Christian, I-A-N, apart from Christ, I am nothing. Oh, I like that. John 15, 5. That's kind of the same sentiment there of the Watchman Nee quote, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Watchman Nee also said, the flesh is too bad to be cleansed. It must be crucified. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is... kind of like something Lewis would say. Yeah. Another one is... There is nothing more tragic than to come to the end of life and know we have been on the wrong course. Mm. Do you know um, that is very similar to a quote by Erwin Lutzer. Um, Lutzer wrote a book in the late 80s called Failure Isn't Final. And there's a very famous quote, the very last part of that book, where he goes, what a tragedy to climb the ladder of success only at the end of your life to discover the ladder you climbed up was leaning against the wrong wall. Yes. Very strong. And a lot of people, a lot of people do that. And do you know the Bible, New Testament, as Bill, I'm, I know you're aware, but it says, examine yourselves and see if ye be in the faith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, uh, Bill, I was a church member for eight years. I, quote, joined the church at age 13, but at age 21, when I was in college, the Lord Jesus really got a hold of my life. And, um, you know, you can be a church member, but not really have a relationship with Christ. And you can be successful and really not have anything, really. And so uh, to everybody listening, let me just encourage every one of your listeners that Jesus is as close by as a prayer, and if you call out to him right now, even this moment, he will hear you and will uh, receive you and forgive you, and so uh, uh, heaven forbid that we reach the end of this world and and miss out on the very, very point of life, which is to have a relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Another thing Watchman Nee said, which I like, is why do so many Christians pray such tiny prayers when their God is so big? Oh wow, that that's that's true. Um, that's a great quote. And folks, uh, all of us, and I'm preaching at myself here. This is why being with you on the radio, Bill, is like a revival because it reminds <laughs> me of so many important truths. Uh-huh. Um, we, we serve a big God, and He answers big prayers. Yes, and we need to pray some history-changing prayers and believe God for tangible results. Mm-hmm. I love another Watchman Nee. Uh, quote, he says, the spirit is both a builder and a dweller. He cannot dwell where he has not built. He builds to dwell and dwells in only what he has built. Wow. Boy, talk about a total transformation of dead in your sin and alive in Christ and then receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes and takes residence in your life and he will then dwell and, and build where he dwells. Well, you know, that's why, yeah, I think the uh, the Christian faith and the, really the biblical worldview is so endlessly fascinating because it is an inexhaustible goldmine of riches about life. And, I mean, you, you think about this, you know, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but the Holy Spirit of God uh, convicts us, that means makes us aware of sin, draws us to Christ, we become aware of the Savior. 
Holy Spirit of God regenerates us, makes us alive. Holy Spirit of God indwells us, takes up residence inside of us. That's why, and I, I got this question, um, could a Christian be demon-possessed? No. Now, I think Satan will try to harass and discourage, or um, if I can say it, maybe demonize a Christian. But a Christian indwelt by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30, guided, quickened, made alive, instructed, preserved, sustained by the Holy Spirit. Christian can't be demon-possessed. And so the good news is we have victory over... There's this evil triumvirate, the world, the flesh, the devil. Mm -hmm. And uh, i, I got to say this. In Genesis 4, verse 2, remember Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. And Abel obeyed God and did right and was approved. Cain disobeyed God. And God asked Cain, said, Why are you wroth, W-R-O-T-H, in other words, enraged? Why are you so angry, Cain? If you do right, won't you be received? And God says this, Genesis 4, 2, Sin lurks at the door, wanting to subdue you or overtake you, but you must subdue it. Uh, and the devil is like a predator. Um, and I'm just thinking of so many things we could talk about, Bill, but the good news is with that indwelling Holy Spirit, we can have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. Oh, Praise so well God. said, Alan. Alex, so well said. And I'll even go as we go to break. I want to make this comment, which was a quote by Watchman Nee. Uh, he passed away uh, many years ago, but he said this, and I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I know there's someone listening right now that needs to hear this. And he said, "To keep your hand, to keep our hand on the plow, while wiping away our tears, that is Christianity." Yeah. I've seen that quote before. In yeah. fact, I saw that on, on a plaque, um, you know, hand on the plow, feet on the path, and one hand free to wipe tears yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We'll take a break, and we'll come right back with lots more. We want to connect with you on Facebook Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, we're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. Welcome to the show. If you just joined us, I'm talking to Dr. Alex McFarland, and Alex and I could talk about literally anything, because Alex, you are such a resource of knowledge and, and history and God's Word. So I can always bring up virtually any subject with you, but I've so enjoyed over these last several months talking about the wisdom, because you and I both love devotionals, and it's always uh, enriching, I think, to have the past wisdom of of past theologians um, and talk about that. And we've been talking about a little bit of C.S. Lewis today and also some Watchman Nee. Um, but I want to pose this question to you, Alex. You know, oftentimes in prayer, we're, we're asking 
God for what we need. Uh, but what about asking God for what he wants us to do and what well, he wants? Do you know, um, that's, that's a great question. Like Samuel, uh, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Isn't that something? Yes. You know, when, when Saul was kind of, you know, struck blind on the road to Damascus, he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I know that um, there, there's different kinds of prayer, Bill, as you know, and there's what we call our petitions, the things we ask of God. And the Lord, I think the Lord delights in answering our prayers. But there's also, you know, before we rush in with our grocery list, and I, I try to coach myself to pray like this before I come in, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, help us. We need money for this camp. Lord, i got to get to the airport. Please help me not to oversleep. You know? <laughs> but I try to, like, Lord, I want to worship you for who you are, the everlasting God, the God who keeps covenant. Uh, Lord, I want to, and I've been praying this, and I'm kind of being really personal here, but I really mean this. I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious or spiritual, but I've been, like, praying, Lord, please let my ways be pleasing in your sight. Because... I know that we, uh, even, I'm talking born-again people, we can be selfish, we can be impatient, we uh, obsess about our first world problems. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there are Christians in the world that are, you know, hopeful they won't get martyred, and, uh, you know, we, we Americans freak out when I've only got one bar on my cell phone signal, <laughs> you know? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I went to the store and they were out of my favorite brand of gelato, my life is over, you know. No, I mean, um, I think worship and asking God, what do you want of me? But also this is gratitude. Now, while we're talking about quotes, the, um, do you remember um, Peter Kraft? We've probably raised that name before. We have many times. Mm -hmm. Yes. He had a book 20 years ago called, um, it was something like, Wisdom from nominal Christians and outright pagans. Ooh. Um, but uh, among those he quoted, and I can't remember if it was Cicero or Solon, but it was one of those Roman senator philosophers who said gratitude is the mother of all other virtues. Now, that's, that's in a way really true. And one of the secrets of joy because we get depressed, we, we get in a dark spot sometimes. And I think ingratitude is, is one of the stepping stones to falling away from the Lord. And, and I think one of Satan's trophies is a sour, bitter Christian. And I, I don't know, I'm just feeling glad to talk about this because I, I mean, I counsel a lot of people and, you know, families and marriages and couples. Um, in your prayers, worship God. Ask God, Lord, what would you have me to do with my life, my time, my influence? Lord, I'm a blank sheet of paper. Use me. But also, present yourself to God uh, being grateful. And if you, you know, um, count your blessings, I know this sounds so probably basic, but gratitude being very intentional and and thanking God 
for specifics in your life, it will change your outlook, Bill. It really will, won't it? Mm-hmm. It will indeed. And Alex, you and I both live by biblical truth, and I appreciate you Try saying to. that. Yeah, of course. But, you know, there's also on occasion there will be something I will read from someone that is not a Christian, but there's such wisdom in it that I, I embrace it because truth is truth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, How about I quote a Buddhist monk real quick? Okay. I can't you, pronounce you his name. You may do that. Yeah, I mean, I read this the other day. I wasn't looking at Buddhist material. <laughs> I was just saying it was in the context of an article I was reading. And he was saying that um, if while washing dishes, we think only of the cup of tea that awaits us, thus hurrying to get the dishes out of the way as if they were a nuisance, then we're not really washing the dishes to wash the dishes. What's more, we're not alive during the time that we're washing the dishes. In fact, we are completely incapable of realizing the miracle of life while standing at the sink. Mm. If we can't wash the dishes, what are the chances are we're going to be able to enjoy that cup of tea? Maybe we're going to be drinking the tea thinking of other things, barely aware of the cup of tea that's in our hands. Wow. I mean, it's trying to live in the presence of the moment and and be constantly grateful to God that we might be standing at a sink being able to wash dishes in a sink and being thankful for that. Yes, exactly. Do you know, um, I've got a dear friend, and you've probably seen him in magazines before. His name is Daniel Ritchie, R-I-T-C-H-I-E. And uh, Angie and I have known Daniel since he was about two because the church where I came to the Lord, a little church called Macedonia Baptist, Daniel's mom and dad went to that church in the 80s. Well, Daniel was born without arms. And uh, he's a wonderful evangelist now and a great speaker. He's spoken all over the country. He's been in Billy Graham's Decision Magazine and CBN. And Daniel, um, he's a seriously deep Christian thinker and a great, great speaker. And I know that, you know, being uh, born without arms, he's married, got kids, drives a car, you know, I mean, writes, types on a computer, all with his feet. You know, where you and I would have arms, he just doesn't have arms. But he's an amazing uh, man and an amazing man of God. Uh, But a lot of times, like earlier this week, I was, um, you know, cutting a bush, trimming the hedges out here. And I, I thought to myself, I was like, Lord, thank you for arms and hands, because uh, Daniel couldn't do that. And, uh, you know, we think about these things that we just take for granted, like the ability to stand at a sink and make a cup of tea, or the ability to, you know, um, be typing on a computer while we're dialing on a phone or whatever. And, you know, uh, I think about people that don't have arms or mobility, they're not ambulatory. And, um, you know, being around people that, like a Daniel Ritchie, is very convicting, at least it is to me, because we take so many things for granted. Now, let me just say this. Um, we don't have to beat ourselves up. If, if we think about, wow, you know, I have a roof over my head, I've got my health, I've got food on the table— you know, we don't have to be ashamed and think, oh, I'm a bad person. I, I have, and somebody else has not. But, Bill, I do think we need to be mindful that um, with blessing comes responsibility. And God will bless us so that we can be a blessing. And and we, we don't have to be ashamed 
that we've been, you know, entrusted with a lot of abundance. But I do think we need to remember with all the blessings comes responsibility to give God the glory and to use those blessings for the Great Commission. I agree completely. Alex, we have a couple minutes left. A listener chimed in with a question. I love the question, and I would love for you to answer it. And the question is, when we pray, do we pray to God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's all our time. <laughs> well, you know, and that's one of the the beauties of of the Trinity, the triune God. Uh, and, and, you know, it's always great to open up Pandora's box here with one minute left, you know. But, yeah, right. Um, one God, eternally existent in three persons, indivisible. God is not separated. So I honestly think that a Christian can legitimately pray to God, the Lord, uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. I will say this in John 15 and 16. Three, three times Jesus says, if you pray in my name, according to my will, I will do it. So, you know, traditionally the church has prayed in the name of Jesus, but then you look at like uh, Matthew 28, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So any and all mm-hmm. for the born-again believer, I believe, are appropriate. I love it. Alex, thank you, as always, for uh, spending time with me and my listeners. And I always enjoy uh, talking to you. Thank you. To God be the glory. Thank you, Amen my to dear that. friend. Yeah, and blessings to you on your last uh, trip to Iowa with your camp. Thank you, my yeah. friend. Let's do this again in two weeks. I look forward to it. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. You can learn more about Alex and all of his books. He's written over 20 at alexmcfarland.com. That's alexmcfarland.com. Com. Take a break. When we come back, Jeff Ferdorn is already sitting in my studio. He's got his blue shirt on today. Uh, and we are going to continue our series, Who is This Jesus? I can't wait. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.